don't have enough time to sit down and read all the best Bitcoin articles? Well, let us read them for you. This is a Crypto Economy Quick Read. message from the year 2025. Things are looking bleak here, and some of you will carry blood on your hands. If you don't believe me, please move on, as I have no way of proving to you I'm really who I claim to be. I don't want to waste any of your time, so I'm merely going to explain what happened. On average, every year so far, the value of Bitcoin has increased by about a factor of 10 from $0.1 in 2010 to $1 in 2011, $10 in 2012, 100 in 2013. From now on, there's a slight slowdown as the value increased by a factor of 10 every two years, 1,000 in 2015, 10,000 in 2017, 100,000 in 2019, and 1 million in 2021. From here onwards, there's no good way of expressing its value in dollars as the dollar is no longer used, nor is any central bank-issued currency for that matter. There are two main forms of wealth in today's world, land and cryptocurrency. There are just over 19 million Bitcoin known to be used in the world today, as well as a few hundred thousand that were permanently lost. And we're still dealing with a population of just over 7 billion people today. On average, this means... Every person owns just under 0.003 Bitcoin. However, due to the unequal distribution of wealth in my world, the mean person owns just 0.001 Bitcoin. That's right. Most of you reading this today are rich. I personally live next to an annoying young man who logged into his old Reddit account two years ago, discovered that he received a tip of 0.01 Bitcoin back in 2013 for calling someone a faggot when he was a 16-year-old boy. Upon making this discovery, he bought an airline ticket, left his house without telling anyone, and went to a citadel. What is a citadel, you might wonder? Well, by the time Bitcoin became worth $1,000, services began to emerge for the Bitcoin rich to protect themselves as well as their wealth. It started with expensive safes, then began to include bodyguards, and today... Earlies, our term for early adopters, as well as those rich whose wealth survived the transition, live in isolated, gated cities called citadels, where most work is automated. Most such citadels are born out of the fortification used to protect places where Bitcoin mining machines are located. The company known as ASIC Miner, to you, is known to me as a city where Mr. Friedman rules as a king. In my world, soon to be your world, most governments no longer exist. As Bitcoin transactions are done anonymously, and thus most governments can enforce no taxation on their citizens. Most of the success of Bitcoin is due to the fact that Bitcoin turned out to be an effective method to hide your wealth from the government. Whereas people entering rogue states like 
Luxembourg, Monaco, and Liechtenstein were followed by unmanned drones to ensure that governments know who is hiding wealth. No such option was available to stop people from hiding their money in Bitcoin. Governments tried to stay relevant in my society by buying Bitcoin, which just made the problem worse, by increasing the value of Bitcoin. Governments did so in secret, of course. But my generation's Snowdens are, in fact, greedy government employees who transferred Bitcoin to their own private account and escaped to anarchic places where no questions are asked, as long as you can cough up some money. The four institutions with the largest still accessible Bitcoin balance are believed to be as follows. ASIC Miner with 50,000 Bitcoin, the IMF's Currency Stabilization Fund, 70,000 Bitcoin, the government of Saudi Arabia, 110,000 Bitcoin, and the North Korean government, 180,000 Bitcoin. Economic growth today is about negative 2% per year. Why is this? If you own more than 0.01 Bitcoin, chances are you don't do anything with your money. There is no inflation and thus no incentive to invest your money. Just like the medieval ages has no significant economic growth, as wealth was measured in gold, our society has no economic growth either. As people know, their 0.01 Bitcoin will be enough to last them a lifetime. The fact that there are still new Bitcoin released is what prevents our world from collapse so far, it seems. But people fear that the decline in inflation that will occur during the next block halving may further wreck our economy. What happened to the Winklevoss twins? The Winklevoss twins were among the first to die. After seeing the enormous damage done to the fabric of society, terrorist movements emerged that sought to hunt down and murder anyone known to have a large balance of Bitcoin or believed to be responsible in any way for the development of cryptocurrency. Ironically, these terrorist movements use Bitcoin to anonymously fund their operations. Most people who own any significant amount of Bitcoin no longer speak to their families and lost their friends because they had to change their identities. There have been also a few suicides of people who could not handle the guilt after seeing what happened to the bag holders, the type of skeptical people who continued to believe it would eventually collapse, even after hearing the rumors of governments buying Bitcoin. Many people were taken hostage, and thus it's suspected that 25% of the Bitcoin rich actually physically tortured someone to get him to spill his password. Why didn't we abandon Bitcoin and move to another system? Well, we tried, of course. We tried to step over to an inflationary cryptocurrency, but nobody with an IQ above 70 was willing to step up first and volunteer. After all, why would you voluntarily invest a lot of your money into a currency where you know your wealth will continually decline? The thing that made Bitcoin so dangerous to society was also what made it so successful. Bitcoin allows us to give in to our greed. In Africa, surveys show that an estimated 70% of people believe Bitcoin was invented by the devil himself. There's a reason for this. It's a very sensitive issue that today is generally referred to as the tragedy. The African Union had ambitious plans in helping its citizens to be ready to step over to Bitcoin. Governments gave their own citizens cell phones for free, tied to their government ID, and thus governments sought to integrate Bitcoin into their economy. All went well until the tragedy that is. 
A criminal organization believed to be located in Russia exploited a hardware fault in the government-issued cell phones. It's believed the entire continent of Africa lost an estimated 60% of its wealth in a period of 48 hours. What followed was a period of chaos and civil war until the Saudi Arabian and North Korean governments, two of the world's major superpowers due to their authoritarian political system's unique ability to adapt to the Bitcoin challenge, divided most African land between themselves and were praised as heroes by the local African population for it. You might wonder, what is our plan? It's clear that the current situation cannot be sustained without ending in a nuclear holocaust. I'm part of an underground network who seek to launch a coordinated attack against the very infrastructure of the internet itself. We have at our disposal about 20 nuclear submarines, which we'll use to cut all underwater cables between different continents. After this has been successfully achieved, we'll launch a simultaneous nuclear pulse attack on every densely populated area of the world. We believe the resulting chaos will allow the world's population to rise up in revolt and destroy as many computers out there as possible until we reach the point where Bitcoin loses any relevance. Of course, this outcome will likely lead to billions of deaths. This is a price we are forced to pay to avoid the eternal enslavement of humanity to a tiny elite. This is also the reason we contacted you. It doesn't have to be like this. You do not have to share our fate. I don't know how, but you must find a way to destroy this godforsaken project in its infancy. I know this is a difficult thing to ask of you. You believed you were helping the world by eliminating the central banking cartel that governs your economies. However, I have seen where it ends. Top comment. Did you get your Butterfly Labs delivery yet? <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> Alright, so let's hit our sponsor real quick and then I want to talk about this ridiculous Reddit post. Alright, so let's talk about our Bitcoin time traveler. This is posted uh, in 2013 again by user Luca Magnata. Um, or Noda, not not hundred percent sure, but it's it's no longer. I'm not sure when the account like got deleted or like went inactive. Um, it may have been like a temporary account that just got used for this post. But this was like a really big thing. It was one of the one of those great memes that uh, existed in Bitcoin history, like Hodel and this is gentlemen and all that good stuff. Um, and this just kind of made the rounds. A lot of people, I don't know why this blew up, and it's kind of fun. Um, but I want to uh, break this down. Let's let's see if we can figure out how we know, aside from the fact that it's basically, it's 2019 already, and supposedly we're supposed to have, uh, the world's supposed to be uh, a series of gated citadels, and, oh no, it's 2025. Okay, so we're six years away from the dystopian gated citadel world where the tiny Bitcoin elite uh, enslave everyone else. Um, 
but uh let's 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 hit let's hit uh why we know economically that this post so the whole reason that we think in this uh dystopian world that the we're told at least that the economy has collapsed is because nobody does anything with their money because there's no inflation and therefore uh, no incentive to invest that money. So economic growth today is negative 2% per year. Now, now think about that. How does your money increase in purchasing power if the economy is not growing? If we've already established that Bitcoin is the only money, the only reason its purchasing power goes up is because economic growth, is because it takes fewer people to do the same number of, or do, to produce the same number of resources. Like, let's say we can only produce, uh, technology only allows us to produce, um, we have to employ everybody, and we can only produce one TV per every three people. So what that means is that only your Bitcoin, the, the cost of a TV, is going to be very high because it takes more people to create, more people in time to create the TV than is able to consume the TV. So if the next year, and remember money is not a resource. Money is not a resource. You don't use it for anything other than economic exchange. So its value is entirely dependent on the economic pool of resources that is available. In our transition phase that we're talking about, it's because the money is moved, or the value is moving from crappy money to good money. That's a different story. But if we're talking about a world where Bitcoin has already taken over, then the purchasing power, if the economic growth is negative 2%, purchasing power will fall by 2% of, the, of Bitcoin. So there, your incentive to invest your money is to produce things for the world. So in the case of our TVs, if we can actually produce a machine or a new manufacturing method or whatever that produces two TVs per every three people, well, then the money doubles in value in, uh, or doubles in purchasing power in relation to TVs because we use the exact same number of real-world resources to get twice the TVs. Now everybody's richer because twice as many people can have TVs, and thus the price of those TVs has fallen. Uh, so we can, already, we can already see, boom, all right, you're full, you're full of it. You're full of it. You don't know what you're talking about. Economic growth is not negative 2%. And everybody's so rich uh, that they keep getting richer just by holding Bitcoin. Not how it works. You need to take an economics class, Luca. You fail, time traveler. You're not from the future. It's really funny, though, um, how much, like, one of the things that's been really fun with this is that the price targets were actually pretty much on point. Got lucky. Got lucky with the $100 in 2013 and then calling it 1000 in 2015 because it did if I remember correctly, it did hit 1000 in 2015 again before. Ooh, wait a second. No, it didn't. Oh, Time Traveler doesn't know what he's talking about. Luca, Luca, you fail. So it hit $1,000 at the peak of the bubble uh, at $1,100. Um, this is according to the Bitstamp chart. was in at the end of 2013. And then 2014 was a decline, and the fastest it, or the highest it got in 2015 was right around where is that wick? Like $500 ish. So it retraced half of that amount. So already, not a time traveler, a guesser. That's what you did. You guessed, and you were wrong. 
But the 2010, I mean, the 2017 $10,000 prediction was spot on. And again, that was four years ahead of time. So not too shabby. And when this is posted, obviously the price was probably around, I don't know, $100 or something on its way up. Um, and then 100000 in 2019. Who knows? Who knows? 2019 is not over. And we are busy in a bull run right now. Uh, I do not think so. I do not think we will get 100000 in 2019. I think we will see a big price spike uh, here, here and a like little miniature FOMO uh, for what the real bull market is going to provide, and then a retrace of like 50% of the top, um, which is what we saw back in, when was that? 2000, kind of 2016, I guess. Yeah, 400 to 800. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that's kind of what this feels like. After, in 2015, uh, from January to June, uh, they were, it was stuck at the real bottom of the bull market. And when they, then we had this really sharp, let me move this to a weekly so I can see the chart a little bit better. We had this really sharp, um, like basically an escape from the, uh, from the bull market. And, oh man, I screwed my whole chart up. This little parabolic run just jumping out of there. And good Lord, look at that weekly wick. Yeah, it went up to $500 and then came back down to 290 So that sounds about right. And here's another one. Here's another one. He talked about the, how the Bitcoin earlies uh, tried to protect themselves as well as their wealth. And that it started with expensive safes. Expensive safes don't, don't store Bitcoin. That's not how this works. How do you not mention hardware wallets, huh? Obviously, uh, they were not paying attention because what about crap like Casa, huh? What about that multi-sig? That's, that's how the Bitcoin rich are securing their wealth. And then the rest of them are doing it by not talking about their Bitcoin wealth, which is the better way to do it. They're not buying bodyguards. That's stupid. That's bad OPSEC. You're announcing to the world that you've got too much Bitcoin, and that's stupid. Bitcoin OGs don't do that, and neither do cypherpunks. They do like Jameson Lop did, and they go full, crazy, next-level dark mode. And they just off the grid. They don't build citadels. They don't waste their Bitcoin on citadels. Which, by the way, if, uh, again, the argument is that the Bitcoin rich don't do anything, and yet they built these citadels, like, so... You know, you have to actually spend your wealth to get anything out of it. So if everybody just held on to their Bitcoin to maintain their wealth, their lives would be worthless. They wouldn't be able to do or eat anything. They have to actually consume the wealth. They, have, they actually, act, actually have to spend the Bitcoin in order to get that wealth back. So literally the only way for them to all stay stupid rich is to employ everyone to build these citadels, which means there's actually a thriving economy because there's so much savings to spend on all these great, you know, giant automated cities that make everything for everybody and have no cost. So, yeah, that's basically utopia, not dystopia. Then as that technology becomes ubiquitous and everybody can just get a bunch of, buy a bunch of robots with the 0.003 Bitcoin that they have or whatever and then sell incredibly cheap products to uh, the quote-unquote enslaved poor, well, then that, that becomes more and more ubiquitous and it takes less and less time and people have extra capital. And then, because of all that economic growth, 
which is what it would be, economic growth. All because of all of that, the value or the purchasing power of Bitcoin goes up, and now it's easier to buy the machines. Now it's cheaper to uh, buy all the automation tools that, uh, you know, solve all your problems and, you know, clean and keep up your house automatically and all that good stuff. So, yeah, that's not, you're just wrong. You're wrong, Luca. All right, so how else do we know Luca is full of it? There's more than that. Oh, 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 here's a good one. There are just over 19 million Bitcoin known to be used in the world today, as well as a few hundred thousand that were permanently lost. Yet we already know, uh, we knew in 2015 that there were millions of Bitcoin that were already lost. And we know a lot of them that are definitely, like definitely lost. And then there's a suspected, like almost like, what is it, like three to four million Bitcoin possibly that they think are permanently lost. That's the estimate based on uh, some Bitcoin that have just never moved. So, uh, yeah, I am calling BS on that one. A few hundred thousand is a gross underestimate. And if Luca was really from the future, they would know. They would know that. They would have already read, uh, what is it, Nick Carter's report? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think they're the ones, uh, coinmetrics.io, that published about all the lost Bitcoin. So do we know? Yes, because it is the future. It's 2019, and you were wrong. Again, Luca, not a time traveler. Also not an economist. My favorite thing, my favorite thing about this dystopic future, though, is that, is that the worry is that this is going to end in a nuclear holocaust. So Luca is going to start a nuclear holocaust to prevent the nuclear holocaust. Just beautiful, beautiful logic there. Oh, man. Okay, uh, this doesn't need that much conversation. Uh, I just thought this was really fun. Uh, Ansel sent me this again, and I had kind of forgotten about it. He just hadn't thought about it in years. Um, and uh, so I thought it would be fun to hit on the show. It's kind of it's cool. So I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, again, this was just the R Bitcoin post from 2013, uh, a message from a Bitcoin time traveler. With that, let's go ahead and close this episode out. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at The Crypto Economy and um, subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of the other awesome stuff that we are working on, or I, Guy Swan, am working on uh, as the uh, Crypto Economy Project. There's a lot more to come, and I'm always posting more stuff. So stay tuned. Subscribe, follow, share it with everybody you know. You know, like, we won't have, we won't be able to know the truth of it until we create that Bitcoin future. And I think we can create a hell of a lot better Bitcoin future than this little fancy, fancy fairy tale we got going on on uh, Bitcoin Reddit. So share this podcast with somebody else that you know who's interested in Bitcoin and the crypto economy, but doesn't quite know it yet, doesn't quite get it and wants to dive a little bit deeper and start to explore all the crazy different ideas and stuff, share it with somebody who you know would be interested in the crypto economy and wants to learn more about Bitcoin. All right, with that, have a wonderful weekend, guys. And until next time, I'm Guy Swan, signing off. Take it easy, guys.